What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor early in the morning? Way, hey, that's your life. Hello and welcome to episode 98 of the Film Yak Podcast. I'm John. I'm Kevin. And I'm JR. And today we're here to talk JR's pick, the pirate adventure film, just a swashbuckling epic from Fritz Lang, Moonfleet from 1955. Uh, fu- fuck off. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I sold the people a bill of goods. Uh, I, misrem- I, I conflated smugglers with pirates. I forgot that it is a. It's, not, it's a Smuggler's Den movie, not a pirate movie. Yeah, no big deal. We'll, uh, we'll get into and that. There is a sword fight. There's a sword fight. More of a spear fight. But anyways, uh, yeah, so we're also going to talk about other stuff we watched. It's been a long time, but uh, we're back. So be grateful for what you get, you know? We can only do what we can do. How are you guys doing? How's it been for the last month? Cold, at least yeah. this past week. <clears throat> it's true. Icy, frigid, very, very cold. We're all we're all dealing with winter. It's it's weird. It's weird that you guys are dealing with winter, but yeah, it doesn't usually. Uh, I mean, it doesn't get this cold for very long. I'm sure by next week it'll be 75 again. You know, and humid. Right. But, uh, my allergies will be picking my brains out. Exactly. Oh, I, I did want to. Um, I did want to mention something, a, a thing in my life that I think you'll be happy about. Um, Moving back to Louisiana? <laughs> no, Jesus Christ, no. Uh, no, no. I uh, right next to me, sitting on my coffee table, is a Blu-ray for Foxcatcher. Uh oh. So I'm gonna watch Uh-oh. Foxcatcher, guys. I'm gonna finally see it. I uh, you bought it. Oh Jesus! No, it's from uh, Netflix DVD rental. Oh, I um, you know, I it's it was on it's on my list of potential uh, deep dives, so I guess I'll have to remove it. That's not what that means. You can make me watch something that, that I've never seen before, or that I have seen before. Yeah, but well, you're gonna watch it now, and I'm gonna use it for my next deep dive. Well, we've been doing this for for years. It could I be know years I down the line. Two hundred movies on my. Li- I'm not gonna do. I don't. Yeah, but I don't like to do. I, I prefer to do ones that we that not everybody's seen. Okay. That way they're fresh. You know, the only the only the only, honestly the only time I consider doing one um, that like Jr. has seen before, because Jr. You know he's like clicked on the watch button for everything that he's watched, and um. The only time I think about that is when you haven't given it a rating, and then I think like that's probably, that's like way too old because he hasn't even given that a rating, so he probably doesn't remember anything about it. Then I would that, consider it, but yeah, I mean that's definitely the case with with the full length features without ratings, right? Exactly. Yes. Okay. So, uh, anyways, let's just jump right in uh, to what we watched. Who's got something to talk about? I could talk. Um. Talk it. Yeah, so I watched uh, the new Netflix movie that uh, I think Netflix had hoped would be an Oscar contender, uh, Malcolm and Marie, which Mm. is uh, written, directed, and by the guy who does Euphoria, the the HBO show that I I think people like. I've never seen it. It's okay. It's trashy. Okay. Really trashy. 
but is trashy bad? It's well made. It's not. But I don't know that it's self aware of its trashiness. That's my okay. biggest issue with it. Like I think it thinks it's like high art, but it's really soap opery. So Malcolm and Marie is a. Uh, it's kind of like a. It's like a one night fight kind of movie. Uh, it's Zendaya and John David Washington. Uh, John David Washington is a filmmaker whose movie has just premiered at a festival. Um, that movie is about a uh, a woman overcoming addiction, and uh, his girlfriend is played by Zendaya, and it is revealed that she is also a young woman who ha- overcame addiction, and it's clear that she inspired this tale, and uh, the conflict between them arises when they get home and Zendaya basically says, why didn't you thank me when you were thanking everyone? Like after your movie premiered, um, which I have now I've since read, this is like a, a situation that Sam Levinson created. Like, uh, he did this with his wife for, uh, some movie premiere. Maybe it was like assassination nation. I think he did that assassination something. I don't know. Um, so the whole movie is them kind of fighting about and around this topic, walking through their very nice home. It's shot in black and white. Um, you know, it's, it's very pretty. The stars are very pretty. But uh, it just it does not work for me because this, uh, this fight like never really makes sense. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's clear from the beginning that... that John David Washington is just wrong. Uh, and all of the yelling that he's doing could have been solved by just saying, like, I'm sorry, I fucked up. Um, but also, John David Washington is, like, he keeps turning the fight into um, him giving monologues about the problem with, like, film criticism and why critics are awful. And uh, and that's, I think that that is, like, it's fine for them to want to, like include this idea in their movie. Uh, I don't think it makes sense when his girlfriend is like yelling at him and thinking about breaking up with him because he was a dick and he like takes that and turns it into, but these white critics suck. And, and that's, you know, and they get a lot of, they get a lot of stuff out of, you know, he is a black filmmaker uh, the critics he are talking about are majority, if not all, or if not, if not exclusively white. And that's, again, those are, those are interesting ideas that I wouldn't mind seeing in a movie. Um, but Zendaya clearly doesn't care about those ideas as her boyfriend is yelling at her about them. Uh, and that just, it just doesn't work. It feels like you wanted to cram this thing about critics into a movie about a relationship, maybe because you didn't have... 90 minutes to fill out with the relationship stuff or you thought that would just like break the viewer down and we would get sick of them yelling we do anyway just because it's it's exhausting and i while i like zendaya and john david washington i, I think the the choices made uh don't work john david washington is very animated very screamy moves around a lot when he's uh yelling I've, I've heard it described as like a very athletic performance in, in a movie that i just think that that, that just kind of comes off as is not great um 
And then also, I you know, Sam Levinson makes it look pretty, but it's pretty in a in a way that I find distracting. Like at the beginning, he's like, "Let's do a long shot," and uh, I'll kind of go out through a window, and it's like I'm filming you guys from outside the house while this fight begins, and it's it's uh, it's a distracting move. I I don't get it. Uh, I think it's really funny that critics hate this movie because I know that Sam Levinson is at home like. Yep, they didn't get it. They didn't get it again. Uh, he probably like thinks they hate it because it criticizes criticism, right? He, th- yes. he thinks it's, you know. Well, that is that is my guess. Uh, but, in, you know, and I would say, like, if, if, this, if I thought this movie was better, I, I might be like, yeah, there's some defensive-minded groupthink going on from, uh, from a lot of published critics. But I also, I just, I don't think it works. I don't. I don't see how it could work better with like this script. This script needs to be changed. I think for it to, to work for me. Cause it's just like tonally off from the start. I have a, uh, an ex-girlfriend that I follow on Letterboxd and she gave this movie five stars. Hey, that's cool. Um, so I was you really, know, I, I was thinking like, well, maybe it's okay. Like she, I, she has, her taste is a little dubious, but like, I was like, maybe, she, maybe it's, you know, watchable and then you gave it whatever you gave it and i was like i don't know about this <laughs> art's uh art's subjective bro <laughs> so subjective <laughs> hey okay um, so uh kevin so i started my i started my criterion challenge with uh kind of a <laughs> not the best movie um it was the uh 1984 entry for which I chose Under the Volcano by John Huston. And I don't know, like, I I don't know what I was expecting, but it really wasn't uh, two, hour, two and a half hours of uh, Alfred Finney acting drunk and complaining about his life in Mexico. And then in the last, like, minute and a half, he suddenly becomes a likable, slightly heroic person. And then dies <laughs> so spoiler sorry i mean you know the, the movie's been out since 1984 <laughs> i uh this is like a late this is is this uh houston's last film no that was the dead which i started to watch but i didn't finish for some reason but yeah this was like um like ne- like nearing the end yeah because i think the dead was like 89 or so. 89, 88, it's, something uh, like that? It's 87. 87, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like this, I didn't, this was like I, nearing nearing the end. Right. I didn't like uh, his other... Uh, I mean, I, don't, I haven't seen a lot of John Huston's films. Uh, I haven't seen like the big the big ones, for instance, you know, the earlier stuff. And uh, by, I, like, I hated Wise Blood when I saw it. Mm. And uh, I just feel like... Everything else in the '80s is sort of going to be in that in that vein to me. I don't know. I, wor- I worry that like later Houston is just like he's lost his touch or something. The um, I mean, I don't dislike Wise Blood, but The Dead is a very interesting movie. Pretty quiet movie. It's uh, it is not like the rest of his '80s stuff. And I I also don't like. I don't think I care for Pritzi's Honor very much. I didn't. I also don't really like Under the Volcano. Yeah, like that. That was one of the things. Like, 
like I really like I really really like Treasure of the Sierra Madre. I really like Maltese Falcon. I don't know the the other Houston stuff that I've seen like uh, like this Night of the Iguana, um, Pritzi's Honor. Uh, what else? I've seen I've seen. I mean, we didn't we all like Fat City? Oh yeah, I did yeah. like Fat City. Yeah, that's true. I forgot about that one, but yeah, that's, that was seventies. That was right? early seventies, yeah, right? 70s. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's one of those. It's one of those things where I'm like, you know, is he? that good of a director in my opinion yes. and <laughs> <laughs> well i mean you're talking about different like s- sincerely different eras of filmmaking right i mean yeah, Church of f- sierra madre is like decades. so far before uh mm. all of these other ones that we're talking about you know it's right yeah different system different uh ages for the director different people he's working you know i mean it's like a i mean we're, we're talking 1940 to 1987 he's right he has a lot of movies, um, so yeah. I, like. But yeah, and like, but I th- I think like kind of like kind of like Wells, like he's kind of like one of those one of those personalities that can make things happen, and sometimes they're good, sometimes maybe they're maybe they're not so good. Um, but yeah, uh, Under the Volcano was a little disappointing for me. My uh, my other. You know, I get I get two movies from Netflix at a time. You know, it's a it's that premium, huh? It's no, it's it's middle tier. It's middle tier. Um, but my other movie is his uh, 1981. I think it's a Nazi like prison camp movie. Uh, yeah, POW movie, Escape to Victory with Michael Caine and Sylvester, Sylvester Stallone. Stallone. Yeah, yeah oh. I heard of this. <laughs> so I'll. Uh, I don't. You know, I'm curious. I I definitely. I definitely think this could be a bad a bad Houston movie, but uh, I'm still excited. Hey, uh, Kevin, if you're looking for more John Houston, he did uh, Burt Lancaster Western, The Unforgiven. Oh, right. Check that one out. Cool, yeah. You love Lancaster. I'm not, I'm not I do. <laughs> I'm adding it to my watch list myself. <laughs> All right. Lancaster's one of those ones where, like, I think, I don't know, like, as much as I like him, I know that he can be hit or miss because, like, like he won the Oscar for uh, Elmer Gantry, and I'm like, I'm watching the movie. I'm like, this is what he won the Oscar for. It wasn't I mean, Sweet Smell of Success. That was, that was like one of those dumb. I think that was in the '60s, right? Yeah, like, like late out. '50s, early '60s. Yeah, but it's it's one of those like career win things uh, for like just a clearly not good movie that was happening. I don't this the 60s were a, not a good time for Oscar wins. If you go back and look through those. Oscar has to give yeah, they always give out um to people too late, you know, or way too early, right? Like Scorsese winning for The Departed, you know, or uh Pacino for uh <laughs> Scent of a Woman, you know, when they've done their best work decades earlier. Yeah, Blake uh, just recently watched Malcolm X again, and he was like, "There's no way Pacino did better than uh, than Denzel." Right? <laughs> There's it's no controversial way. though. They can't give an Oscar to somebody for playing Malcolm X, though. See that they'd have a riot on their hands with all the uh, white racists. Um, I watched uh, "Ecstasy of Order," the Tetris Masters, which is a documentary by Adam Cornelius, the guy who did uh, "The People Who Do Noise," the documentary I talked about about noise bands a couple of episodes ago 
And uh, <clears throat> this this is a hard to find one. It's uh, you can you have to. I, I ended up having to just buy it directly from his website because it's not on iTunes or anything. And uh, it's all about the game Tetris and the people who are obsessed with playing Tetris and who play it very very well. And it's specifically there's this one guy who wants to create a tournament to see who the best Tetris player in the world is. And he goes and he get recruits everybody who's on. There's like apparently like a like a list online of people who have uh, the highest scores, and they have to prove it by videotaping themselves getting those scores, and then sending in the videotape. And uh, so he went and got all those people, like the top six or seven of those people. Uh, and then he had like mini tournaments to find more people who could play really well, and. He ended up getting uh, this the one guy. Uh, I guess his name's Thor. Yeah, Thor Ackerland, who won the. Um, or is it Ackerland? Ack- yeah, Ackerland, who won the uh, Nintendo Tetris Championship that they had back in like 1990. And uh, he finds him, and he's like a 45 year old man now, and he gets him to be in the tournament also, and he's still crushing. And it's just a really it's what's interesting about it is that there's like this. Um, competitive respect among all the players and they're all like in awe of Thor Ackerlin because he won this thing when he was, you know, 15 years old or whatever. And he scored the highest score you could possibly make on Tetris. And they're all just like really reverent of him and each other. And it's just an interesting, like uh look into that, like this weird video game culture, like subculture that I would not have known existed. It reminds me of uh, actually come to think of it. It reminds me of something I saw on TikTok. Which is this guy? He does these <laughs> TikTok. You're not on TikTok, Jr. <laughs> Sorry, uh, you brought me back from from the dead by mentioning TikTok. <laughs> he I, was I totally checked over. out on my Tetris Masters review. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, the I, what? You're an adult man. TikTok is fun, man. You want to burn two hours in like four minutes? You just get on TikTok. <laughs> You'll forget about time existing. Anyways, right. no, no. All I mean, right. I don't know. I, I watched the, some of the videos. They're fun and they're funny. I, I don't. I, I, don't don't judge me. And uh, anyways, uh, but just, there's this, no just surprise. Just there's surprise. this guy on there who does uh, Wikipedia speed runs. So he'll pick two <laughs> seemingly seemingly disparate uh, uh, people or, or topics and he'll go from one page to another via links and he'll, he does them in under 30 seconds. It's pretty impressive. And then I was like, I was watching this guy. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. And then I tried to like YouTube him at work cause I can't look at TikTok at work. So I was like on YouTube looking for him and there's like a million people doing this and it's like a competitive sport. These Wikipedia speed runs. And it reminded me of that. It was like there's this weird subculture of it's based on one really specific thing. Who's choosing the topics? Like he can does. You choose I guess he two does. Topics that you like. I've memorized the route. Well, my, my I had I so I was telling my students about this this week because I was obsessed and I was doing it at work just Amer- for f- American education, right? Just for fun. <laughs> It was a slow week. We were uh, we weren't we were taking taking a break from reading Hamlet. Um, so uh, I was telling my students about this, and one of my students said the same thing. He's like, "Well, you know, he could just like figure out exactly what to click before he records, and then record it." I was like, "That's true." Yeah, but, I mean, like, know, it seems exciting, but it seems I could neat. have I could have done this. I practiced that I can get from Super Mario Three to Live Schreiber in fourteen seconds. 
Right. I he found, was. I found a right. I found a no. Route. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I it, it take when I was doing it, it would take me like three or four minutes to get from <laughs> one thing to the other, and then it would take for one of them. I tried. I looked in the thesaurus. I just opened a thesaurus at random and picked two things, and the second thing was silence. Just the topic of silence. And it was impossible to get to the page of silence. Like, I could not figure it out. I went through, I went to the Scorsese film Silence. I went to recording studios, which have to be silent. I went to silent films. Like, I went everywhere trying to find a link for silence, and it just does not fucking exist. It took me like 48 minutes, and then the bell rang, and it was time to go home. I was like, oh my God, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> and the kids were just staring at the projector board. This is after school. This is after school. This is after they all left. I have the last two hours uh, off. Anyways, uh, I really, yeah, sorry, bud. My uh, my fellow teachers are jealous also. It can't last forever. Don't worry. I, uh, so yeah, I liked uh, the Ecstasy of Order, the Tetris Masters. And uh, if you have the means and the opportunity, it's like $11 on his website. It's like, he he rents it too from his website for like three bucks. But it's a solid, uh, solid, very entertaining documentary. Very short. Cool. So, yeah. JR. Yeah, I guess I'll do uh I'll do my Criterion Challenge movies. I I'm behind. Loser. You know, I was trying to actually do one a week, and I think this should be week seven, maybe. Um, Is it? But I've only done five. Yeah. Right. Uh, third. Mm. Are we in the third? Um, I don't know. We should definitely have six by now. I'm on my. I'm in the middle of my sixth one right now. Okay. I thought it was week six right now. Or, so maybe that's it. Probably is then. Um, but I watched uh, the. Sorry, I watched my horror movie, and I chose uh, '80s cult slasher horror, horror slasher slumber party uh, massacre, which I think for like a cheaply made horror slasher thing from the '80s, it's probably better than most it is 79 minutes and i think a more interesting narrative than than i expected not that it's very good i'm not recommending it to to anyone um but i also watched help which is uh the laser disc sorry was released on criterion laser disc i did not watch the laser disc um (laughs) if you're a real fan But you know, this is uh, this is one of the few Richard Lester directed movies I have left to watch, and it is uh, you know famous for starring the Beatles, but for not being a Hard Day's Night. Um, and I would say it is not nearly as good as a Hard Day's Night, and it is it's leaning so much harder into the the comedy, um, and a lot of the comedy did not work for me. Uh, but it's, you know, it's, it's like a silly movie where the, the Beatles get to act silly and play their songs. So it's hard to just like hate that. Um, unless you hate the Beatles. And a lot of people s- seemingly do hate the Beatles. I think they're trolls though, to be honest. I often think that as well. I, again, I don't, I don't have like a special connection to the Beatles. I don't love all Beatles music, but it's, 
you know, it just seems hard to to hate. It's just like yeah, I just don't understand. Often I, really effective right. pop rock. I understand like saying like they're oh they're overrated and I you know they're not that yeah. great. That's course, fine, but when you say something like I hate them and I can't stand the music, it's like what? Like how do you not? There's just like pop music. Like you don't like pop music? I don't understand it. I don't know. There are some people who just live to shit on popular things. So. Of course, of course. Yeah, they're just but that, too, they're but too that big probably for them. has very little to do with the Beatles themselves, and more to do with that person who just lives. Of to course, shit yeah. On it has not. They don't even think about the music. They're just like, I have, don't listen to that shit. Have you guys listened to an admittedly pretty funny podcast? Your favorite band sucks. No, I've not. I've uh, heard of it. I've been listening. And you know, it is it is a troll podcast, <laughs> and they're pretty self aware of that. But yeah, the first episode is all about how awful the Beatles are, how much they suck, and it's, uh, it, you know, and they don't. I don't think they suck, but it's a very funny podcast. But it is, it is also they give a clear. A, sorry, I was just say, do they give a convincing argument as to why they suck? They give some convincing reasons why not everyone should absolutely love the Beatles, um, but it, it's it. Be, listening to the podcast like in order becomes like a fun exercise because it's clear yeah yeah they they hate the beatles the beatles suck um but they hate most of the people they talk about way more than the beatles uh, it's just like every episode is just meaner and meaner but anyway let me ask you this uh, anyway, not to, not to so keep, not to uh, not to continue on this uh on this podcast uh, uh are discussion we, but are we a troll podcast well, maybe a little bit uh i was gonna say uh are they are they talking about bands that people actually like, or are they doing like episodes on Nickelback and shit? I mean, no, no, it's it's bands people like, like U two, uh, you know, old U two, right? Led Zeppelin, Rolling oh, okay. Stones, yeah, like I could see classic, that. and they're pretty, they're knowingly attacking like classic. I could make arguments for all those bands very well not being loved great. bands. <laughs> I think they're on hiatus. They decided they didn't want to record in quarantine, so they haven't done anything in a while. But um, that's lame. Yeah. Well, they like they like to like be in the same room and drink. I like to be so. in the same room. I I would prefer us all to be in the same room, but you know what? It is what it is. Hey, Colorado's nice. You guys can. We should fly up to Colorado, Kevin, move. and do a special episode. Yeah. <laughs> so do like a, a marathon. We record five. That'd be five incredible. Of our two, two hour episodes at that, a time. That would be incredible. <laughs> We should we should fly up there for a week, record the year's worth of episodes, and then come back and I'll release them every. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. It's the only way that we can guarantee a a set schedule. Right. <laughs> then we'd have to start charging for people to listen, so we could buy our plane tickets. Kevin. So I to continue on. I'll just do a couple real quick for my Criterion stuff. The The second one that I watched was The American Friend by, um, uh, what's his face? Vim Vendors. Vim Vendors, yes. Uh, <laughs> just, like, his name just flew out of my mind as soon as I was about to say. Anyway, um, <clears throat> I enjoyed it quite a bit, actually. Um, for me, I think it was a little too long, and it kind of, like... Just kind of, it seems to go on and on at certain points. Um, but Dennis Hopper, always great. Bruno Ganz is great. Um, yeah, and like, <laughs> it was funny. Like, 
I didn't realize at first that uh, the movie was based on one of uh, Patricia Highsmith's Ripley books. And so then I was like, oh, maybe I should uh, like I've been I've been taking a speed reading course. So I'm actually reading a lot faster than I than I used to. So I was like, oh, maybe I should read some Patricia Highsmith. And I was looking at her Wikipedia and um, looking at her bibliography. And I was like, hmm, um, I don't know. Because <laughs> what's what's her deal? She, Is she problematic in some way? Well, anti-Semitic, racist. Oh, okay. Um, and, th- yeah, problematic, and, that. And, I mean... I mean Wasn't th- she, like, isn't... It, aren't they old, old novels? Aren't they from, like, the 50s and stuff? Yeah, like, 40s, 50s, 60s and stuff. But, um, I don't know. It's just, like, I... like. Are the novels... I'm sorry. Are the novels uh, racist, or is she a racist? I imagine that... I mean, I haven't read any of her stuff, but, like... I imagine if she was like from what I read about her, she seemed like very forceful in her ideas. Um, so like she's one of those people who are you know like some people say she was a complete and utter asshole, and some people say that she was really genuinely sweet, just had a really acerbic sense of humor. And I like th- those kinds of people. I'm I'm usually more on lines of like, oh, they were they were probably an asshole. Um, for sure. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. Like I've seen, you know, I've seen the movies of, uh, strangers on a train and I saw, um, talented, the talented Mr. Ripley with, uh, Damon and, uh, Jude law like a million years ago and like, didn't think much of it. And I mean, you know, I, I liked, I liked the American friend, but I don't know. I've, I imagine that Vim Vendors, you know, brought more more of himself to the story than was probably in the book. So I don't know. Like maybe maybe someday I'll read The Price of Salt or something. But I, I'm I don't know. It's just not it's not nearly as much of a priority as it might have been if she hadn't been such a piece of shit. So. I uh the Amer and Amer- the American friend is is my favorite vendor's film. Um I love it. And I agree with you. I think I haven't read any Highsmith either, but I would imagine that the talented Mr. Ripley is way closer to her the book than the American friend is to Ripley's game. Uh you know, because uh the American friend is a, is uh, you know, by turns quite strange and has a lot of weird moments and Dennis Hopper is a much different character than Matt Damon is in uh, The Talented Mr. Ripley. And I do like The Talented Mr. Ripley also. <laughs> oh, okay. But I was a big fan of um, Anthony Minghella when he was alive. I mean, I'm still a big fan of his films, but... So. Yeah, I mean, like, that was one of the things I was thinking, too. Like, I saw, like, the list of people who have uh, played Ripley, and I was like... I mean, Malkovich too, and that they made they remade uh, Ripley's game with Malkovich. Right, right. Yeah. I, I I don't know. Like personally, I'm just not. I I don't know what it is, but I'm just not a Malkovich fan. No. I just <laughs> you don't like Malkovich. No, I I just I just don't I just don't get it. In Rounders, I haven't wait. Haven't you haven't seen, seen Rounders? rounders? Holy God in heaven! If you haven't I th- seen Rounders, <laughs> I think I have. But poker movie with Matt Damon and Edward Edward Norton. I think I have, but I'm not sure. 
Malkovich plays the villain of the piece. Right. But, yeah, I mean, so. you know, he's in, like, Con Air. He's in Being John Malkovich, I mean, obviously. Um, he's got some bad movies, you know, but he's, you know, he's like, he's like, uh, I, I, I sort of see what you're saying. I mean, I don't think he's, like, an astoundingly good actor, but I enjoy mm. seeing him in movies just because I think he makes really weird choices. He's sort of like a Nicolas Cage almost. Like, he, he just chooses to behave in really bizarre ways right. with otherwise, you know, characters that you could play normally, but he chooses to not play them normally. Right, yeah. Oh. Um let's see. So I also watched uh this um <laughs> this the one for the um African American pioneers, I chose the Hellbound Train which is basically a film reel that these two um, evan- this evangelist couple made and then would, like, tote around with them when they were doing their revival meetings. Basically, like, each car of the train is, like, uh, some level of hell. And, like, you know, you've got, like, the usual, like, um, adultery and, um, you know, liquor and stuff. But you also have jazz music. That's apparently a Evil. circle of hell. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it was. I mean, I'll, you know, props to the, props to them for being, you know, black and making movies in the '30s when you know there weren't a lot of black people doing that. But this one, the 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 concept and the actual like, you know, I mean, you know, it's your typical silent movie when you really get right down to it. Uh, so. Yeah, it's kind of whatever. Um, but then moving on to the Bruce Lee entry, I I did I th- I thought uh, <laughs> I don't know when I first watched Entered the Dragon, I was like, you know, oh this is cool, this is Bruce Lee, it's martial arts, blah 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 blah. And I'm watching it na- and I watched it again recently, and I'm like, what? <laughs> I knew I knew going into it that the dubbing was going to be bad. I didn't realize it was going to be like wor- like it's worse than like an Italian film from like the fifties. It's just oh. so it's just so off and so terrible. And like when you get right down to it, like the movie is like an hour forty something. There's maybe like a total of like ten, fifteen minutes of that that's dedicated to martial arts. The rest of it is this dumb spy thriller bullshit and yeah it's just bruce lee is the is one of the films that i'm looking forward to the absolute least on this list (laughs) i have no interest in watching any bruce lee film right i could give a shit yeah lately you know like because of um you know all the the quote-unquote controversy about uh once upon a time in hollywood you know, like every everyone was like coming out to be like Bruce Lee wasn't like that. He wasn't blah 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 blah, and everything that I'm like like the the interviews that I've seen with Bruce Lee and like the behind the scenes stuff that I've read. Like, um, I don't know. I don't think that Tarantino was really that off with his portrayal because I mean, you know, Bruce at the time Bruce Lee was probably like in his like early mid 20s and you know you can we can we can look at like we can stereotype asian martial artists as much as we want as being like these calm collected egoless you know people 
Buddhists. Yeah. But, you know, when, when you get right down to it, if someone's pretty good at something, they're going to, they probably know it. And they're probably not going to be shy about sharing that fact. Because all you have to do is watch inter- uh, watch uh, the dragon, the Bruce Lee story, mm. and you get a uh, you get a perfect uh, portrayal of his personality. Mm. There's also you know I mean speaking of the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it's like I mean those are just like people who who think that that's a problem that mm. he portrayed Bruce Lee this way don't clearly don't understand like what Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is. Yeah, and like what what Tarantino is trying to do with the film. And like, it, I mean, like it's, it's, it's a guy named Bruce Lee in the film. Mm. It's clearly based on the person who was Bruce Lee, but it's not Bruce Lee. You right. know, I mean, the, the film is taking place in an alternate reality. Like I, it's, it's absurd to think that, uh, this is, you know, Tarantino commenting on what kind of person the actual Bruce Lee was. Right. That, that scene is more a comment on Brad Pitt's character. Cause exactly. It's like, yeah. It's his memory of the situation, and it's presented mm. as yes. like a very. That's a good point too. He is not necessarily yeah. like a, a reliable um, narrator in that sense. Like yeah, in the sense that he absolutely. Is a narrator based on his dream. Yeah, like whatever. And that yeah. and the thing too is like nobody like apparently nobody got up in arms about like hey Sharon, Sharon Tate and her unborn baby were killed. You should have put that in the movie. It's like. Some some people were upset about that. Well, I mean, well, they I mean, they were upset for other reasons about Sharon Tate, which they were upset she was in the. I think they were yeah. The people were mad that uh, Margot Robbie didn't have a lot of lines in the movie. That's what I remember that being a big deal. Like they don't give her as, as many lines as they give to Leonardo and Brad Pitt. It's like, well, the movie's not about her as much as it's about the. I mean, it's just I don't know. It just yeah. feels like nit- well, nitpicky I, shit. You just want to be mad about something. Yeah. yeah, like especially like you know, like personally, I think it's a very, I think it's a very nice thing that Tarantino did. Like, you know, we're seeing we're seeing Sharon Ta- the sh- the Sharon Tate character. Like, from what I remember about the movie, at least, I don't think there's any conflict that she has to deal with besides like the person not recognizing her at the movie theater. But like the rest of the time, she's just having fun being, you know, like being a young starlet in Hollywood. And in the end of the movie, she doesn't get horribly murdered. Right. Yeah. It's like, how can you be mad about this? Yeah. (laughs) She's like enjoying her life. And then she continues to enjoy her life. What's the problem? (laughs) Yeah. It's like, you know, yeah, I agree. That's funny. (laughs) Anyway, all right. Well, uh, I I mean, I'm having trouble picking what to talk about here because, like, I feel like we should talk about the little things since it's a new release. Oh, I'd like yeah. to hear you guys talk about that. I have. I just don't have a lot to say about it. It's it, the little things uh, is directed by uh, John Lee Hancock, who is a director uh, that I have not seen anything from, but I'm very aware of all of his movies and uh, have never desired to see one of them until now. And uh, like he did uh, that that uh, Highwayman movie on Netflix. He did uh, did he did the Blind Side? Did he do that? Yeah, yeah he did the Blind Side. He did uh, Saving Mr. Banks, the founder. Uh, so this movie is a, a serial killer hunting movie uh, that I think what he's trying to do is a similar thing to like Fincher's Zodiac, where he's trying to comment on obsession and uh, maybe like you know the sins of your past coming back to haunt you 
but it's just so cliched and generic and plays like it's from 1993 and the performances are phoned in except for Leto maybe who's Leto you get the feeling that Leto like thinks he's doing something great but it's he's just well, he, it's just funny it's not like it's like funny on, not on purpose <laughs> he's being validated though by his his yeah, peers have, yes so. exactly he's been nominated now for Golden Globe which is absolutely absurd and uh, no i think a bigger deal is that he was nominated for a screen actors guild award oh is that right like, i didn't actually, see that actually his his peers not just the hollywood forum press that wants stars at their show but his peers said that he was one of the five best so absolutely ridiculous scary i know there weren't a lot of movies in 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 theaters in 2020 guys but uh we got better shit to nominate of course we do jared leto of course we do um so yeah i didn't like this movie at all uh it kind of meanders and goes nowhere and the ending is just such a goofy twist silly bullshit ending uh rami malik i literally had to look up i was and i kind of feel bad about this but like at the beginning of the film when rami malik first shows up he's talking in such a monotone i don't know anything about him i've only seen um bohemian rhapsody which i thought he's okay in. i hated the movie but he's fine you know he's not great but he's whatever he's got a personality in it in this movie i was like does this guy have asperger's i had to look it up i was like i'm pretty sure this is an actor who is dealing with like low level autism and he's just managed to like struggle his way free of it but no he's just like a perfectly normal human who's just awful at portraying a detective i think he's awful at portraying but that's just me (laughs) like i said i've only seen this and bohemian rhapsody to judge on i've never seen like mr robot or anything like that i think he's doing something similar to what he is doing in mr robot uh which is i don't remember if if he has something specifically but like you could definitely he's he's like on the spectrum in mr robot oh is he okay um and that's whatever what he's doing in Mr. Robot works better than it does in Little Things. And that could also be the creative talent behind Mr. Robot is just better. Um, not that that's like an amazing show, but I I certainly enjoy parts of it. Um, little Things, though, I, yeah, I'm, I don't even, if it were just generic and cliched, I, I you know, I, I might have given it like a, a two or two and a half star but like just the uh, did you notice just how like incompetently edited like in like from in scenes it was like they're at the diner and the like we're just whipping all over the place like with these cuts um it just all these scenes are put together in in bizarre ways that that make it look like they just like could not get a competent like full take Mm-hmm. so that like we've got all this weird coverage and and the the pacing of that like in scene editing is so fast uh in certain scenes where the movie is like otherwise moody and slow and it uh, just like doesn't go together and uh it drove me fucking insane while i was watching it i thought uh, i almost turned it off i, I should have <sighs> turned it off wow but um that's heavy duty man as uh, it, it, and that's not the kind of like it, it really like takes some like f- fucked up <laughs> like just like awful craft for me to notice like your editing being uh 
yeah that bad but whatever i uh i you know i'm watching fewer movies right now like in the past seven days i've only seen seven movies whoa uh, yeah. <laughs> oh jeez. past seven days i've seen like three movies no so in part of that i've is seen like, like two <laughs> or three you know i get home from work and I, I just like i don't have the ability to go to bed early um just i, I can't do it so sarah will go to bed um my wife we've got this newborn i will stay up with the newborn uh for a while usually uh feed her and um you know just like rock with her hold her you know i don't get to see her during the day um and eventually she falls asleep and i'm like well let's let's try out let's try out a movie so i can make it to bed by 1 a.m jesus and so i'm watching these movies pretty pretty late at night right now and there's only one movie per day and uh i get really mad when they suck mm. you 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 you're going to bed at 1 a.m yeah and waking up at what five no no i wake up at 6 15 6 15 it's still crazy not a, not a lot of sleep man <laughs> that's no I, I don't know i've always been are you having to wake up with the baby during the night too like that no no uh Babies like once the baby falls asleep around, you know, ten thirty. Like she she's she's sleeping between ten thirty and eleven, and I can go put her in her bassinet, uh, and I keep a you know the monitor with me. So if she does wake up, I can go grab her and not um, and let Sarah keep sleeping. Mm-hmm. But the baby doesn't stir between. That's pretty good, man. Yeah, like four thirty. Sometimes she'll she'll get up, and then Sarah. Sarah will get up with that. Yeah, we had to get up uh, like every two hours when she was when my daughter was really young and uh, I mean, feed her like every a, two two and a half hours. Brutal, man. It was brutal. Even at like eight eight weeks, that was still going on. Yeah, I mean, okay. uh, for the first maybe, I mean, probably that was probably starting to just dissipate at that point. But I mean, yeah, it was it was out of control. Out of control. after after like six weeks. Um, Sometime right before that, you know, we could do like every four hours mm-hmm. uh, during the night. But yeah, the past past couple of weeks, she's been going through the night. It's been yeah, I'm lucky, I guess. Yeah, for sure. All right, uh, so jump to Kevin, I guess. Kevin. Okay. Um, what else do I have to talk about? Um, been watching a bunch of uh, Miyazaki movies. And I would say they're all pretty good. Um, let's see, so far I think Wind Rises is still my favorite. Um, I like you. You do start to really notice, like, a, he, like he has like a bag of tricks that he goes that he like constantly goes back to, even like with like the um, the looks of characters and stuff. Um, but um like w- one thing that i will say the um the library has like a bunch of these um blu-rays from g kids and regardless of like how the movie is you know quality wise the blu-rays are fucking beautiful 
like absolutely knock your eyes out beautiful. Nice. I couldn't tell where that was going. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you know, for dramatic emphasis. Um, but yeah, like, like, like the, the Disney Blu-rays, like it knocks their dicks in the dirt. Um, they, they just look fucking fantastic. <laughs> so. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, um, uh, Sebastian, like it, it was funny, like, like I had uh Kiki's delivery service and, um, Blake and I watched it the other day. Um, but turned out like that same night, uh, Sharon and the boys watched, uh, Kiki's delivery service and Sebastian loved it. Like absolutely like, you know, the greatest thing he's ever seen. Stefan, not so much. <laughs> What are you gonna do? You know, yeah, because they, you know, they've seen Totoro a bunch, so they're kind of like, yeah, whatever. Same with a uh, Spirited Away. We're gonna watch this until you appreciate it. That's right. On repeat, repetition. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, I liked, I liked uh, Kiki's delivery service. Um, my biggest problem with it was like the length, um, and like, I don't know. The story kind of like the story is like going on, you know, kind of kind of fine, and then it starts to meander a bit, and then there's this long sequence where Kiki's depressed, and it's like, okay, you know, okay. So like, it's only you know an hour forty or whatever, but like when you when you start to feel the hour forty, like then that's when it, it's like starts to become a problem. I think that every. I think that every single one of his movies is at least just like a little too long. And most of them are longer. Most of them are like between 120 and like 125 minutes, mm. which, you know. That's just gross. But I I also, for most of them, it doesn't matter because I'm so wrapped up in it and I'm Ugh. cool with it. Uh, for Kiki's Delivery <laughs> Service, though, I, I agree. it It does. It's one of the shorter ones and it feels long. Right. And like, I think, um, Totoro is, Totoro is like, I don't know if I would say that it's peak Miyazaki, but like, that's like, if you needed a Miyazaki movie for a time capsule, Totoro is it. And also it's only 84 minutes. I think I agree with that. Yeah. Cause I mean, like, I think it best encapsulates like everything that he's about. Um, <laughs> and I, 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 uh, I saw this letterboxed review that was uh that was for it it was like um like this long list of like like no plot no antagonists uh no no defined purpose for side characters uh no no political message no beginning no end like th- like this long this long list of things that it didn't have and like at the very end one of the greatest movies of all time <laughs> and i was like you know like sounds like a link later review Pretty much, yeah. Um, for slacker, you know, no plot, no character development, greatest film of all time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> reminds me of uh, our our old our old co-host Jonathan. Like <laughs> he would like, <laughs> you know, greatest movie of all. You know, fantastic, greatest movie of all time, classic masterpiece, three out of five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a hard time with the ratings, he, you know, he's like he he. I talk to him all the time, and he um. I gave him a come and see on Criterion for Christmas 
because I was just thinking about it one day, and I was like, I think he'd really enjoy it, actually, if he watched it. And I gave it to him, and uh, I realized he hadn't <clears> – <throat> he has not logged a movie in over a year on Letterboxd, and I was telling him about it. I was like, I was like are you not logging movies anymore? And he claims he's not, he hasn't watched anything. I was like, you haven't watched a movie in over a year? And he says he watches stuff with his wife sometimes, but he doesn't think about logging it, I guess, because it's not something he wanted to watch necessarily or something. I don't know, but – he logged uh, do the right th- the last year. He's logged do the right thing and come and see, and that was it. And he gave uh, both of them pretty high scores. So that's well. He's, he's lost all all perspective. Everything he sees is great now. Exactly. He see anything? Also, exactly. Also, those movies are great. But. Right. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> <clears throat> but anyway, uh, okay. I uh, nope. I have to talk about um, Alexander, which is uh, the Oliver Stone film from two thousand four. So I had just finished reading uh, the Flaubert novel Salambo, which is about the mercenary wars. Uh, he finished a book. I've, this is my third book that I finished, actually. but Or fourth book, actually, this year. But, um, yeah, uh, I, I've been reading a lot. Yeah, I guess that's like an update from what we talked about last week, right? <laughs> I've been reading a shitload. But, um I finished Salambo, which was absolutely amazing, and uh, I just was itching for something that took place in that time period, and the the first thing that jumped to my mind was Alexander, and I own the four-film Oliver Stone collection. I think it's four films. It might just be three films. Natural Born Killers, uh, Any Given Sunday, and Alexander. I I thought you meant like three three cuts. Is there like a, a... there Huge are edition with everything. There is a uh, there's the ultimate edition, which has, I think it has all four cuts in it. This one, okay. the one I have, only has the final cut and the theatrical cut. And I watched the final cut because when I watched this movie in the theater, I remember hating it. Uh, and I but I did see it two nights back to back. I well, the thing is, I saw it. I didn't like it. I saw it by myself. I didn't like it. And then the next didn't, day... Didn't John- trust yourself? No. The next day, Jonathan was like, hey, I really want to see that movie. And I was like, I'll go with you. I'll go see that shit again. And then I went and saw it with him, and I hated it again. And uh, and it's like a three-hour movie in the theatrical yeah. cut, you know? So I was... I don't know. But I was just like... I'd go to the theater to do anything at that time, you know? I was like 18 years old. But... um, Or 19. But... um. So I rewatched the the uh, the film, but I watched the final cut this time, which is apparently it purports to have all the footage. Oliver Stone says it has er- everything he shot is in this movie, and it's three and a half hours long, and it's cut in a much different way. In the original film, it starts with it's linear. It starts with his childhood, and it goes into him becoming a general, and uh, eventually his you know taking over the world. And in this film, it's in the final cut, it starts with a battle scene. It starts with uh, one of the two huge battle scenes in the film, each of which that lasts at least 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes of the of the runtime. And uh, starting it off that way is just a brilliant strategy. Like I would I wouldn't have thought to start it off this way, but he 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 starts it off with this battle and it's just like you're immediately like engaged because you're watching a battle and it's you know, it's exciting. And it's uh way more violent than I remember it being. It's like more violent than Braveheart. And uh it was just a really good well-made battle scene and he does this thing where there's so many people on the field of battle that he 
he has a like anytime he shows a group of of soldiers running or moving for he'll say what group of soldiers it is he'll be like this is the left flank or this is the front frontal assault or whatever it is you know and he has these subtitles and that to tell you these things i thought it was a really smart way of you know kind of uh, uh getting across the geography of, of combat that's happening in these really really huge battles and uh I don't know. I mean, just short. Long story short, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I was really, really into it, and I thought all the acting was really solid. And I can recall thinking that like Val Kilmer was not very good in this. He plays uh, King Philip, who's Alexander's father, but he's really good. Like he does a great job in this. He's got a um, a lot of the criticism I'm seeing for this movie is like the accents. So, like everybody has sort of a Irish accent in the movie. I have to assume that Jared Leto's accent was amazing. <laughs> Jared Leto, and that, he, and that he had a limp and a pot belly. No, no, no. Jared Leto's accent was more, uh, more just like regular English. But like, for instance, Val Kilmer has an accent that's very close to Colin Farrell's, and it makes sense because it's like when you read about it, you hear that Oliver Stone cast Colin Farrell. Everybody was mad that Colin Farrell was going to play Alexander because he was Irish and they don't want an Irishman playing this European hero, even though Ireland is in Europe. I don't understand that, but they're like really mad about it apparently. And so in order to, uh, sort of mask his accent, they, he just, he decided to make everybody do Irish accents. So everybody, <laughs> so, and, and, and I don't know, honestly, it works. Like I have no problem with it. Like, and Colin Farrell does a, a pretty Angie decent pulls job. Off, Angie pulls off Irish. Okay. Okay. No, she doesn't do an Irish. She does this weird, like, eastern european uh, witchcraft someone, thing someone mm. had to do it weird right okay. exactly she's she if anything's if there's a weak link in this movie it's angelina jolie and it's not because she's oh, a bad actress it's just that she's playing this character that you don't give two shits about it's alexander's mother and there i think they're trying to the point that there's some kind of manipulation there that she is somehow uh you know responsible for who the person he becomes the sort of paranoid despot that he becomes and it just doesn't really come across very well and uh i anytime she was on screen i was just kind of like checked out i was like i don't care about this get back to the get back to the campaign you know the campaign is interesting and, and him becoming paranoid and executing everybody who's close to him is is interesting and the sexual stuff there's a lot more like homoeroticism in, in this version than i remember there being in the theatrical cut uh, like he's in love with Jared Leto and Jared Leto is of course in love with him. And, uh, but he's also, he marries this, uh, this woman from like the Caucasus of India or something. He's uh, Rosario Dawson. And, uh, he makes her the queen and everybody's mad about that because she's like a pagan and a peasant. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, well, it really worked. All, they're Greeks. Aren't they all pagan? Well, I mean, Just whatever. Like different They're different. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, they don't worship the traditional, uh, the Greek gods, obviously. They worship, you know, like the sun and shit, I guess, or, or whatever. Not right, because he's like Macedonian and not yeah, Greek. They're ma- yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, well, he's Macedonian, which is Greek. It's like, a, it's an, the ancient, you know, it's an empire before the Greek empire, I guess, or after the Greek empire. I don't know. I, I, I read about it a little bit, but anyways, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just a really strong film, and uh, I think it deserves reevaluation maybe, and uh it's beautiful to look at. It's very well shot. And there's a surprisingly very, very, I mean, not surprisingly, it's 04, but it's, there's like, there's very little CG in it. They use actual elephants for the elephant battles, which I thought was incredible. You never do that shit now. And, uh, yeah, it was really cool. It was cool to see that because reading Salambo, like Salambo is full of battles with elephants. 
<laughs> and it's just really, really cool to see it in, you know, in actuality. And it's pretty much just as Flaubert described it. So, um, yeah, loved Alexander. Uh, I think it honestly, I gave it a four. I think it might go up on a rewatch. Honestly, I've been like thinking well, about it a lot ever since I watched it, but stone, man, he's stone. He does it again. I love Oliver stone. I don't know. I I'm like, I feel like I'm a stone apologist because people like, yes. I know you guys don't, don't love him. And I just find, I just think he's a great director. I, I think he makes really, I mean, he's obviously more of a traditionalist. Like he's not doing anything weird or, uh, avant-garde or anything but I mean I don't know he just creates a good entertaining film and uh, almost like a Spielberg type but he's this, the subject matter is more interesting to me you know so I don't know and I like Stone's I like him as a personality too I like his outspoken political viewpoint and everything so he's cool man he's really cool have you have you guys seen uh, uh, what is it called? The uh, Untold History of the United States, this documentary series that he did. No, I've I've heard about it. like he was on um, Rogan's podcast not that long ago, and he was he was talking about it. But like, I don't, uh, you know, like we talked about this a, a while back when like I rewatched JFK and like mm-hmm. I don't know. I, See, I love JFK. Yeah, I, <laughs> I I I just I just I just couldn't like. I'm the I'm the stone. I mean, fan a, here, a I guess. bigger <laughs> a bigger part of that is Kevin Costner being awful and you know oh. doing a shitty accent. Nah, no he, accents. Don't, accents just don't bother me. I, I hear that a lot. Like people are mad about accents, and I just I just do not care about a person's has, accent in the film. Oh, it's got to be like really bad or just like turning on and off. For me to really notice, yeah, I agree. If it's inconsistent, the inconsistency of an accent is more of a sin to me than a bad accent or whatever. I mean, you know, I, I mean, don't... I think the the Kevin Costner one is just annoying because I, you know, Oliver Stone is just one of many filmmakers who's felt the need for uh, you know his New Orleans set movie to have a ridiculous accent. Mm, yeah, even though the New Orleans accent, or uh, there are several versions of New Orleans accents, just that aren't ridiculous um and there's a lot of people in new orleans who just speak normally without yes. an accent or with a very very mild one you know yeah it's like pe- like people I'm, you know tend to forget that like new orleans was a a port town and so you know lots of different accents come came in and out of that place so i'd be interested to know if like people listening to our podcast in other parts of the country and other parts of the world would understand that, like, would think that we sound like we have accents, that we're from Louisiana. Because I don't, I feel like I've, I rarely do I feel like I have an accent. I know sometimes it, like, I slip and I'll say something that's like, and I'll be like, oh, that's gross. Like, why did I just say it that way? <laughs> you know? we, I mean, we have accents in the sense that we say, uh, y'all. I don't I say believe. y'all. I never say y'all. Um, Fuck but, that shit. Uh, okay. Excuse, excuse me. <laughs> No, I just, Mr. I, Elitist. I just never um, say y'all. I, no, I, I, I think. Like uh, I don't know. I, I. I think we all let accents slip through sometimes, but I, none of us have have like a a strong Southern right. accent or something that could be identified as like deep Louisiana. All right, y'all. <laughs> anyway, just just a few Southern boys. Alexander's awesome. Check out Alexander and. Uh, you know what? I'm going to continue to champion Stone. I'm going to rewatch Any Given Sunday, which I haven't seen since the theater. So it's been 23 years. And, uh, you know, I'm going to check that out. And hopefully it's good, too. 
I mean, I, I like I used to be like the biggest Stone fan there was, but um, I don't like like rewatching like uh like Platoon and like Born on the Fourth of July. It's like they're you know they're okay. They're not horrible. Dangerous territory, my friend. Born on the Fourth of July. I is know, I one know. of the greatest films ever made. <laughs> an incredible film, an incredible performance from Tom Cruise. Let's just we don't want to just talk about Stone for the whole fucking episode. JR. It's going to be a fight. Um, <laughs> okay. I watched uh, with my wife 17 again last night with Zach Efron. And I'm not going to talk about it. I just want to let you guys know. Oh, that, thanks. Uh, <laughs> but um, I, and I said I only wanted to talk about things I watched in the past week. But uh, I forgot that I watched uh, White Men Can't Jump. And mm. I just really wanted to mention that I thought this was fucking great. I thought White Men Can't Jump um, is successful as a sports movie. It is successful as a um, like a, a hustler con kind of movie, and it is successful as uh, just like a, a friends movie. The like Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson are are awesome together to watch, and Rosie Perez, who is um, Woody Harrelson's kind of beleaguered girlfriend, uh, is also just wonderful, and. Um, you know, she's not like a, a traditional just like watch her her boyfriend do shitty things and, and just suffer through it. They have a great uh kind of arc. And uh I also just love basketball, so I was I was happy and the basketball looks real and apparently Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes uh are decent at basketball and did a lot of training and I was just I was happy that they're not like editing around um them shooting. Which is great. I think they edited around uh, Woody Harrelson dunking. I I don't think that man can dunk. White man can't dunk. This is, uh, uh, this is great. Are yeah. you uh are you are you gonna check out Money Train next? Is that also Ron Shelton? It's also uh, Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes. Oh no shit! Yeah, uh, and J Lo this time taking over for Rosie Perez. <laughs> so I mean, I don't. They have to have a Hispanic woman in the in the mix. I don't think that has to be bad. Like, when was this made? Uh, like 1996 or something. So, I mean, we're we're in that zone where where J Lo could be good. No, yeah, I don't have a problem with J Lo. I think I, I I don't. I've never seen the film. I saw parts of it when I was younger on television, and uh, it just looks like a kind of like a you know your typical 90s buddy cop lethal weapon ripoff kind of thing. You know. Oh, so it's not. Sorry, it is not Ron Shelton. Yeah, I don't know who did it. I don't I, know. So, yeah, Joseph Rubin. Oh yeah, Ho- but I, I will, I will maybe check this out if I can find it. Uh, Joseph Rubin did the Good Son. It's about these two. I I have seen that. It's about these two uh, cops who decide to rob a train and make like they turn. They want to turn dirty, I guess. But <laughs> but it's like Poster a poster on Letterbox you know. is, uh, you know, insane <laughs> in a way, in like a '90s way. It just looks awful. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'll definitely watch this. Awesome. Glad I could turn you on to that. <laughs> All right, Kevin. So, uh, to continue on the Wesley Snipes train, uh, oh. I, <laughs> so I rewatched Rising Sun with Wesley Snipes and Sean Connery and Carrie Tagawa and Mako and Harvey Keitel and Tia Carrere and... A few other big names that I'm forgetting at the moment. Because, like, I was going back and forth. Like, I knew, like, you guys hadn't 
neither of you guys had logged this on Letterboxd, so I was like, oh, this could be a deep dive. And but then yeah, I was I like, seen it. but then I was like, oh, I don't know. It's probably going to be like I don't know how long it's going to take for us to actually like get to it. But then. So like I just ended up watching the movie cuz I was like okay I need a I need a break from um you know the kids movies and it's uh it's not great <laughs> um oh bummer yeah like I don't know like I'm um, like like 2 hours of uh, Sean Connery schooling Wesley Snipes on the intricacies of Japanese culture and uh etiquette gets Gets a little weird at times. Ooh, is that is that like a meta thing? Like, like he learned so much Japanese stuff doing Highlander. Mm. <laughs> he wanted to bring that to another movie. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> he was Spanish in Highlander, Jr. No, he was Egyptian. Yeah, he he's he no, Egyptian. A, that's right. I forgot he was. But Egyptian. he had the samurai sword and had spent a lot of time. Right. He had spent a lot of time right. and <clears throat> he received it from the emperor or something. Like right. That. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so like like the movie is kind of like your your sort of like um like buddy cop but the buddies don't get along movie and they're investigating a murder and like like there's, you know, some elements of, you know, like Jap, you know, having to deal with Japanese businessmen and they and the the that stuff um but I don't know. It just it just didn't come off as very interesting to me. You guys might enjoy it more, or you might enjoy it less. No, um, no. Philip Philip Kaufman, the director, like he's I've I've not liked anything I've seen by him. So <laughs> I remember liking Quills, but that I, mean, was, I I remember Quills being like watchable. But I hated. I watched this western that he did called The Great North Minnesota Raid, which was like I read on a list. It was like a list of like underappreciated westerns, and it was fucking god awful. So, I mean, I, I think he has, I think he has three great movies. His uh, first three in his list. Yes, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, uh, The Right Stuff, and The Unbearable Lightness of Being. I haven't seen I any like, of those. I like all of those a great deal. And and I think and I. I don't. I like Quills. Okay, I think Henry and June's okay. This guy loves Philip Kaufman. He's the Kaufman apologist for the podcast. Yeah, I didn't know that this was a Philip Kaufman movie until you guys just mentioned it. So I'm absolutely fucking watching Rising Sun. <laughs> Get on it. Now you got two movies to watch now. <laughs> okay, well, it's gonna be a nineties marathon. A lot of Wesley too, Snipes. Yeah, I know. Right. Maybe I need to back down from this. <laughs> you should watch Passenger Fifty Seven next. Oh yeah, that's his diehard ripoff that he did in the nineties. <laughs> I think right. Sizemore uh, is in that, so it might be worth it for really? him. I don't remember. I I, I could be wrong. Is good and Maybe. Sizemore in the nineties is killer, man. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, last night I watched uh, the new release Judas and the Black Messiah on HBO Max, uh, which is directed by Shaka King, who uh, I don't think has directed anything else. He did some uh some like uh short films, but anyways. Yeah, this stars Daniel Kaluuya as Fred Hampton, the uh chairman of the Black Panthers in the late 60s. And it's all about his uh struggles to collectivize uh, all the uh 
African-American organizations in Chicago and get them to uh, work together to help the community. And it's, while at the same time the FBI is like hunting him and investigating him and they put in uh, Lakeith Stanfield as a as a uh, undercover informant. And uh, it's really more about Lakeith Stanfield's sort of conscience and him having to deal with being an informant on Fred Hampton. But I really liked it a lot. Uh, I thought it was really well made, very well shot, and the acting is terrific. In particularly, the of course, the leads are good, right? And Daniel Kaluuya has some great moments as Fred Hampton giving these speeches. Uh, r- reminds you of, of uh, Denzel in Malcolm X, just, you know, reading something that was a speech, you know, but giving it his own sort of flair as a character. And, uh, but I, in particular, Dominique Fishback is this actress who plays Fred Hampton's, uh, girlfriend in the film. And she is really terrific in this. Like she has, uh, a lot of great emotional moments and not a traditional, uh, I don't know female protagonist, I guess, uh, just really cool stuff going on with her character. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I really fucking enjoyed this movie. I thought it was really good and I hope everybody's going to watch it. It's, uh, it's solid. I definitely hope to watch it this weekend. Um, I'm ready. Martin, Martin Sheen plays, uh, J Edgar Hoover and he's got some makeup on. And that might be my only thing that I have an issue with really is the makeup that he's wearing is so like, it's pretty obvious that it's makeup. It just looks really, he just looks really strange in the movie. Like his eyes are like half closed by the makeup. It's really bizarre looking. I don't know. But, uh, but he does an all right job, you know, being the ultra racist J Edgar Hoover. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I really enjoyed it a lot. Check it out. That's it for me. And uh, I'm I'm done until we talk about how I tra- how to train your dragon. Well, I guess we can do that now. Okay. Yep. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. I think Jay ba- Jay Baruchel's voice is like just. Uh, it's it it's really hard to get around for me. Right. So real quick, this is the movie that you guys were forced to watch for losing. Letterboxed Roulette last week or last episode, which was a month ago. Um, what act? I don't remember the. I always like to think about which actor it was that you guys lost for. I don't remember who it was. Do you guys remember? It was. Um, it was one of the women in Greaser's Palace. Oh, it was uh, oh, Tony uh, Basil. The, Tony Basil, okay. right? Yeah, Tony Basil. Um, yeah, you guys lost for Tony Basil. So nice. Uh, I mean. Kevin, have have you seen this several times? How to Train Your Dragon? Yeah, uh, I've seen I've seen it once before now. Okay. Um, I feel I feel like I've seen it a, a hundred times now. I I don't know why I don't I don't have. Well, I have a child now. I haven't had children in the past when I've been watching this movie. I've actually seen all three of these fucking movies. Um, I don't know why this has been on a TV I've been viewing so many times in my life, but yeah. Um, you know, and if there is like a, a whatever 2010s computer animated movie that I'm going to have to watch 15 times, I guess this isn't the worst 
one, the worst contender, or worst option, rather. Um, you said you hate Jay Baruchel. I guess that's how Barkle. you pronounce it. Yeah, yeah you know, Baruchel. he talks like he this the entire time, and like, this is just his normal voice. Sorry, Dan. <laughs> it is his normal voice. I know, but it's just so fucking annoying. <laughs> I... I spent a lot of time um, this time, you know, just because I'm not really thinking about the plot or the visuals. Uh, I enjoy the music, and I th- think maybe I realized that for the first time this time. Maybe I've just never noticed before or forgot. But uh, I did spend a lot of time thinking about how all the adults are Scottish Vikings and all the kids are Californian Vikings. Yeah. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I just think that's really funny i i don't like why why did you like not that gerard butler's bad and craig ferguson is not bad but like why why did we go scottish there's i have no idea um and it it does just make like it makes did you just say that gerard butler is not bad he's he's a a voice oh you're saying in this movie you mean yeah 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 okay yeah yeah. in general he's the worst right i mean you're right Okay, <laughs> but I mean he's he's not doing a, a whole lot. He doesn't have a ton of lines. That's fine. Yeah, um, he can have it, a good performance. I just he's not good. <laughs> though you know this movie could be titled you know something along the lines of uh, it's going to take an impossible situation like a fucking dragon dropping into your lap for your father to love you. Um, <laughs> just like it's very it's uh, otherwise hiccup never would have had uh, his father's love and respect. But um, yeah, you know. This movie is is cute, and like the dragon is cute, which is a weird adjective for a dragon. But um, all the other ones are ugly. Only this one's cute. Uh, and you know they they introduce like a a very silly like climactic situation right before the climax. So like that final battle is stupid and kind of out of nowhere. Um, but whatever. It's it's a it's a movie for kids that. Uh, that adults can enjoy too, right? They're doing their best Pixar impression. But I don't know what. What do you think? I mean, I I would agree to that. Um, yeah, like, I mean, you know, as far as far as like the geography goes, I don't know. Like, maybe they're in the Orkney Islands, like north of Scotland. So, like, they're you know. <laughs> but I I, I, I like I to know. imagine that. Um, the the Vikings were in my head in my alternate history. The Vikings were famous for for their peaceful, cooperative integration of cultures. Exactly. And uh... <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's entertaining enough. Um, that looks it looks decent. Um, you know, it's it's not amazing, but yeah, I mean, they're 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 worse. There are you know. We, as we know, there are worse things that we could have been forced to watch, like, you know, zombies. So, at least yeah, it wasn't zombies. This was, like, an all-time classic uh, relative to what we've been watching. Uh, well, that, you know, whatever. I, I've already forgotten the, uh, the Looney Tunes short, just because it's, it's a short and it almost doesn't count in my brain. I, but, have, uh, uh, I, have a, I have a list that I'm compiling of all of the letterboxed roulette films that we're okay. having to watch, so I'm going to keep track awesome. of them. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, uh, let's uh, move on to our main review. This is uh, JR's pick. It's Moonfleet from 1955, directed by Fritz Lang. Yeah. JR calls him an absolute titan. 
Do you not? I don't know. I've never. I've never. Reputation. In terms of reputation, absolutely. I I have yet to form. I don't want to form an opinion of him until I see something that's actually you know like uh, well reputed. You know what I mean? Like I still haven't seen Metropolis and uh, fucking M and shit like that. So I mean, I I should see those before I think I form an opinion on the man. Because right now I would not call him a titan based on what I've seen, but. I'm sure he is good. I mean, he's you know he's a competent director. I'm not saying he's bad or anything, but anyways, uh, Jr. Why Moonfleet? I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it's a. Uh, I had seen this once before, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, the last time I saw it, several years ago. Um, obviously, I had misremembered what the plot is. I was like, oh, pirates. Uh, and it's obviously not about pirates. I'd also like forgotten how important I knew there was a kid, but I'd forgotten how important the kid was in this movie. Um, but it is, I, I'm guessing what stuck out to me the first time, because it's what stuck out to me this time it, uh, is not so much the plot, but how this movie looks. This is, this is, a. I mean, it is an adventure movie, but it has like a very Gothic design to it and look, um, and that just kind of, that just kind of got to me, but this is about a little kid who is sent away by his dying mother to, um, to the home of Stuart Granger, who is like this rich debonair, um, businessman who operates like a, a basically a smuggling ring, um, in England. You know, they talk a lot about the islands. They're smuggling between the islands. And, uh, you know, there's just some shenanigans that goes on with the smuggling. And, uh, like, the cop who is trying to uh, take down the smuggling ring. And then there's also, like, this kid is a descendant of this uh, famous guy in the town who's hidden a diamond. So, like, we're also looking for a diamond. Um, We're going into lots of crypts. We're going down wells. We got lots of um, purple and red and blue against these grays and brown uh, and browns. It's uh, whatever. I thought it was, it, it's fascinating. It's, uh, whatever. I as soon as I saw, like I was I was finishing up watching this and I went to Letterbox page to log it, and uh, I saw John left a review and I was like, he left a review before the deep dive. This is this is obviously already a disaster. Uh, <laughs> But, um, yeah, oh, and I forgot, uh, George Sanders and, uh, Jerome Greenwood play these, you know, other kind of this rich, I'll call them a business couple that are trying to get into business with, uh, Stuart Granger and they are, um, they are just delightfully awful characters. Like I, I loved their vibe and I loved that they both wanted to fuck Stuart Granger so bad there's a lot of there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of of fuck tension in this movie. I don't know if I got that. He the the old man wanted to fuck him. I you know, or he was just like he's just so cool with his wife wanting to fuck. Yeah, him. I think I I get that. I got I got that more like he I, wanted he, to watch them fuck. He definitely maybe. wanted to watch. He <laughs> yeah. definitely wanted to watch. Like he's like, if it takes if it takes you fucking Stuart Granger to get into business <laughs> with Stuart Granger, that's absolutely okay. As long yeah. as I'm in the room, we need um, that diamond. But no, and there, you know, th- this movie has like more. It's like a, a kids' movie, and it's got like more depiction of like 
rich people depravity than than you'll see it in like anything in the 50s it's this is it's it's weird that this is a kids movie or presented as a kids movie movie. was it at the time I so I I couldn't tell. I tried to figure that out. I tried to look that up. Uh, the way it plays out, like it, it, it just has like a very, like simple, plot structure where we're like moving between these things, and um, we spend so much time with like how the kid feels, and like we're just accepting. There's like some kid logic to the way this moves and like what the kid wants. Um, so I feel like it's kind of a kids movie, but then yeah, it's also I mean, super dark, and there's yeah. bodies hanging, and uh, it's violent. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a violent film. So, I mean, it's not it's not graphic, but there's a lot of on screen shootings and stabbings, and every, it's. Uh, does. I think that uh, yeah, I think otherwise I agree. Like it sort of has a almost like a um, old school sort of Disney film uh, vibe to it, but it reminds me of uh, Night of the Hunter in that way. Like it's about children, but it's also incredibly, incredibly dark uh, and violent and yeah. menacing. And uh, yeah, but uh, <clears throat> I uh, I enjoyed it. In particular, I like Stuart Granger a lot in it. I thought his performance was terrific, and I thought the writing was very good. Like his dialogue was like every time he opened his mouth, I was just like fully engaged and interested in what he had to say. In particularly when he disguises himself as the British officer and he's just like mm. chewing out everyone in that place, <laughs> <laughs> like just yelling at everybody. Yeah. Like that's such a, a good scene, uh, of him trying to, you know, accomplish this thing and just being sort of in the, in the belly of the beast and, um, trying to get around it by just pretending to be above everybody. Uh, I really enjoyed all that. And, uh, you know, I was a little bit, uh, taken aback because, Obviously, we talked about it, but uh, Jr. had called this a pirate adventure movie, so I was expecting there to be boat battles and stuff. I was like, "They're not even like, getting on it." Like, I was like, "What?" Is, I'm, I'm 45 minutes in the movie. I was like, "When is the swashbuckling going to begin? When are they going like to get a, on a fucking a boat. boat?" There's a boat in the distance in like two shots. Yeah, and he and he's on a boat at the very end. <laughs> but it's like there's no there is like literally no scenes on a boat in this movie. And I was like, "Oh, this, this, this you know." I was expecting there to be like boat the... battles and pirate. I've never seen a pirate film. I don't think, except for maybe. Like uh, I saw the first Pirates of the Caribbean, but I've never seen like a classic pirate film, like Captain Blood or anything. I was going to say you got to see Captain Blood. I'm never going to be able to. I, I, I'm never going to be able to live this down. No, no, no. It's not your, I'm your not. next deep dive. Is like, all right. We're watching uh, Spike Lee's Malcolm X, famous pirate movie. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd have thought of that. I would have said something like that. That's so good. Uh, no, I uh, no, you know, it's not that big of a deal. It's just it, it. I went into it thinking it was a pirate movie, and it was a little disappointing that it wasn't. But um, but it was still enjoyable, and uh, yeah, I mean, I I enjoyed it. Kevin, what do you think of it? Um, I I didn't hate it, but I also wasn't that enthralled by it either. Um, I I I don't know. Like I was I was hoping for a little bit more of like what was going on between the uh the kid and um uh fox cuz like like from what i maybe maybe i'm misremembering this but like the 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 family that sicked their dogs on fox like that was mahoon that was the kid's family yeah yeah, yeah so i was so i was kind of like 
I, I thought there was like maybe going to be like some big reveal about how like he was actually the father, but I mean that was probably like too much for Hollywood in the fifties. Um, but you know, um, but yeah, like I think this is the f- the only other thing that I've seen that has the um, the sheriff of Nottingham from Robin Hood, the Errol Flynn version. The one who's like holding a dagger to the kid's back when the um, oh my, when, yeah. the, when the officers um, show up to to the that's tavern, uh, Melville Melville Cooper, who played uh, Felix Ratsey, who who at first I thought like he was gonna be the nice the nice guy in the gang, uh, just because he's like old man who quotes Bible verses. But I I I liked how kind of cutthroat he was in that scenario. Yeah, and like the um like John like John said earlier the um the the fight i thought was actually really good like yeah i enjoyed the fight yeah cuz like cuz like part of me expected like fox to just like you know easily like manhandle the dude but like no like he gets you know there's there's some hairy situations but like well, and the way the dude was I, swinging that spear i thought like oh, yeah, it dude. looked so heavy crazy. and like so, i thought he was guys, just going to like knock himself in the forehead but then <laughs> we have to stop calling it a spear we have to stop calling it a spear what is it what, an what axe no, the bar was named the Halberd. There was a fucking Halberd. What the fuck is a Halberd? <laughs> it's that long spear with the kind of axe thing on the end. Okay. It reminds like me a, of um of It's like an infantry weapon in it, like old right. British. Shit. It reminds me of uh in 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 the the Brennan Hamlet which I've been, you know, forced to watch like 900 times now. Uh at the beginning they have uh the two soldiers are holding those exact kind of spears or sorry halberds and uh, but they call them something else in the because I mean obviously Shakespeare's not writing about Britain he's writing about Denmark cuz does it start with a, a p he says uh, uh partisan partisan that's what it is yeah. he says shall, shall I throw my partisan at him but anyways but yeah uh, it looked like that but uh I yeah I thought this I thought the fight scene was was really solid and in particular because I just came out of watching um, Scarlet Street and Hangman Also Die, which are other Fritz Lang films from the 50s, and they are from the 40s and 50s. And I guess they're both from the 40s, actually. But, anyways, uh, they have fight scenes in them that are quite terrible, like really bad, like not well made. And like they, they, it looks like they're the guys are like barely touching each other, like it's everybody's afraid to get to hurt the other person, you know. And this one, like you said, he's swinging this huge thing around, it's like it's absolutely ridiculous. And, uh, yeah, I really I thought that was great. And I mean, that's not the only action scene in the film. I like the beach scene where he's getting chased and shot at. I love that shit. I love when he shoots uh he he shoots all of his ammo and he throws the gun at the guy <laughs> and it like breaks his nose and he guy falls to his death. I did not expect that. It was amazing. I love that um, shit. That was so and good. That's just like another like this is a as conceded, I think this is a very like successful uh, depiction of like a morally ambiguous character where like I do want Jeremy or I think his name is Jeremy Fox. I do want Stuart Granger's yeah. uh, character to like be successful because he's so likable, but he's also just like a, a asshole. He's a piece of shit. He treats his employees poorly. Like he, like the way he just like whips, um, whips the smuggler at the beginning. The first time we see him. Yeah. That was um, intense. Like he's an asshole. He, he like, he is just like a drunk rich dude. Uh, who is evading the law? And I still, I still am like, yeah, you, you, you do it, Stuart. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's the hero of the film somehow, right? He's like a secondary hero to the kid, I guess. But yeah, he's he's definitely like a Byronic hero, I guess you'd say. 
anti-hero? He, he actually, uh, similar to another film, uh, I'm in the middle of Chimes at Midnight right now for my Criterion list, and he's, he's like nice. Falstaff, sort of. Nice. I mean, he's a, he's a poor influence on, uh, he's a criminal influence on this on this younger person, you know, uh, making him sort of do also criminal things, like stealing that diamond. But, uh, but yeah, um, I just have a couple of notes. So Jack Elam in this movie, he's like crazy young. Like you guys know who Jack Elam is? He's like the guy with the wacky no. eyes from uh, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Not the good, not Good, and the Ugly. Um, from um, Once Upon a Time in the West. So who was but he in this? He was one of the smugglers. He's the only one who doesn't have an accent. He's got like an American accent. Okay. He's not trying hard at all. But I just thought it was really weird because he's like this short, sort of like scruffy fat guy who's old in every movie I've seen him in. And this one, he's you know like twenty five. He looks great, you know. Um. At the beginning, when when the kid first arrives, they give him a stein to drink out of, and I was like, "Is they giving this kid beer? Like they're in a tavern? It's like, is he drinking beer right now?" <laughs> I mean, it was it was England in the 1700s, right? So. It's probably ale or something. Right? It's, yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, look, or, or wine. It's you been know? boiled. It, it's cleaner than the water. Yeah, it's cleaner. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, the dancer lady who's played, yeah, the uh, flamenco dancer by Lilane Montevici. She's is she in black? Is she in brownface? I I. Th- suspect that she is because so yeah um some facial coloring along with like her teeth and eyes just kind of looked yeah unnatural i agree um, i i suspect she was in a a sort of like gypsy brown face yeah her it looked it reminded me of uh at some shots it reminded me of that that kind of famous uh photo of trump where you can see his like the the fake tan line down the side of his face like only mm-hmm. his face is, is has the orange on it but uh yeah it's a, i thought that was kind of weird but i mean you know it's it's the time what are you gonna do it's all it's that's the kind of thing where it's like i would believe she was a gypsy if right yeah like <laughs> you don't have to go that Romanian far with it. and have like white skin yeah exactly um i thought uh the guy who played major hinnishaw who was the guy that um Jeremy Fox stole the officer's outfit from when he shows up in the wagon. He's like in his nightgown or whatever. He looked like he looked like old Phil Spector. Do you guys yeah. notice this? I was like, yeah. this is it's Phil Spector. <laughs> he looks just like him, like that bald mugshot that you see of him before he died. That was such a, a weird scenario. It's like, did the mob know like his rank and status, and that's why they were like making fun of him so much? I suppose was- so. The way the way that he got mobbed when he got out of the carriage with in his underwear. Oh was right, yeah, that's bizarre. true. I didn't even understand like a hundred percent. Like when he showed when when Fox showed up at the fort with the outfit on, I was like, I didn't even question how he got the outfit. I didn't even think about it. I was just like, I oh, just he, you know he's disguised as an officer. And then later on when that guy showed, up, I was like, who the fuck is this guy? And then I thought I was thinking about, it, I was like, oh, that's that guy that that woman See, brought into the back followed, and they he they took the, him up the stairs. She right, yeah. Like he gave he gave her like the signal. Right. Take the man up. He, I know. Yeah, I, I thought about that later. I was like, I, I didn't think about it uh, at the time when that was happening. I wasn't thinking about why he was giving her that signal. But anyways, you know, it's not, not a big deal. That's my fault. That's not the film's fault. So, yeah. I was, uh, I was confused. I thought that he had killed Mescu, uh in the beach fight. You know, like, I thought. Which, which one is Miskew? That was uh you know that was the the neighbor the I guess like the the guy who's hunting um oh, the smugglers okay. yeah yeah trying to rid the town of smugglers and his right. daughter's Grace who appears like a, a ghost in their 
backyard at one point. Um, but you know, he's like the guy in, in the carriage at the beginning who was like, I'd like to be closer to my neighbors or whatever, or I'd like to get to know my neighbors better. Um, and I thought that was him who Granger killed by throwing a gun at him and like he fell off the cliff, but then he's at the, like he's there at the end of the movie with, uh, with Grace and John. So apparently I totally, I, I guess everyone in white wigs just looks the fucking same to me. I, don't I just assumed it was some random soldier that he threw that gun at when I saw it. I didn't think it was a big, I don't, I don't know why I thought he was like being chased by the guy. Cause it like why, of, uh, the guy's power, of, why would he be chasing him on a beach? The movie first blood where, uh, I don't know if you guys remember this, but Rambo, he throws a uh, rock at the helicopter and the guy falls out of the helicopter oh, yeah. and dies. And then he's like, sorry about it. He like wants, he's like, I don't want any more hurt. Ram, Ram, first blood is a way better film than Moonfleet. <laughs> Just kidding. JR. Sorry. <laughs> I don't have strong feelings either way for, for first blood. <laughs> it's great. I got the 4k coming, so I'm excited. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, you know, I think if this movie has like a weakness, it's, it's the kid, uh, John Whiteley, who plays John Mahune, is, you know, not awesome. <laughs> He's annoying. And it's it's just kind of like a, you know, a crummy kid performance. In the, like, in the sense that it's like, well, what, what are you going to do? It's a, it's a kid performance. Yeah, I don't, I didn't, I mean, I, I agree that he wasn't good, but he didn't annoy me. He, he, I felt he was annoying to Fox, which is like part of his character. But yeah. like, I, I wasn't annoyed watching him on screen. He, I've seen much, you know, worse sort of grading child performances than this guy. He's not, he wasn't good necessarily, but he, you know, it didn't bother me. I thought he was fine. But it's, you know, it was, it was nice that he, he definitely took a backseat to Granger in the second half. Of course. Um, Yeah. If it had just been about him the whole time, that would have probably been problematic. And I I don't, you know, I, I know, you know, he's our ambiguous character. Uh, It makes sense that um, the script would have Granger developing a conscious at some point. Uh, but you know, his turn was pretty quick in the end, even, even if he's kind of been lying to the kid about how much he doesn't, uh, care for him. The, uh, this I is, I thought the end was cool, but I didn't Jack uh, Elam. You guys recognize this guy? No. Yes. Yeah. He's from once upon a time in the West. Right? I haven't seen it. He's, well, he's been in a lot of stuff though. He was in, uh, cannonball run. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen Anyways, that either. He's, been, he's, he's in a lot of. Lonesome Dove. Anyway, uh, but yeah, he's just a character actor. Anyways, uh, yeah, so I got nothing else to say about this. I enjoyed it overall. You guys ready to do ratings? Or are you not you not done talking, JR? JR's got so much. He's a paragraph <laughs> no, left. No, no, no. This. no, no, no. I, I do just, I, I, w- I want to mention again, like, this is such a visually weird movie. The gothic stuff is, is wild. Um, it's like a horror I, movie at the beginning, right? Yeah. When that, that hand comes over, I don't. I, I honestly, I don't even know what that was at the beginning. What is that? Like, what is I the hand? I honestly think it was just someone like coming out of the crypt because they spend a lot of time in the crypt. But it was shot in a way that, like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, like maybe we're kind of getting like the the kids, like, oh, it was probably one of the of smugglers because they caught him. I, I think it. Yeah, I think it was a smuggler, and that's where they they they're in that place a lot. Um. It was a woman's hand, though. Uh, was it? Was it? I think so. Do we know? I don't know. Or it you look just... like a woman's hand. 
but I mean, like there was like the the statue of the like angel woman right there. Right. right. I think I think it's more. I think it's more uh, what statues, you're saying. I think it's you're seeing his perspective and he's seeing what what's not necessarily there. Yeah. I do. I love all the. I love all of the statues, and just kind of how often we see them. Like even like the the statue of Redbeard John Mahoon, like within the uh, the church, the sermon as exposition scene. Um, mm-hmm. Like it's the close up of the uh, the John Mahoon statue, and we back away to get the whole congregation. But there's always that that Redbeard statue in the back. Loved loved a lot of the look of this movie. Yeah, I thought it looked good. Look nice. I, I especially liked anything where you could see like the 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 rocks and the beach in the background, shit like that. I, I it all looked really beautiful and whatever this was, Technicolor, I guess, looked really nice. Cin- I don't know. Is Cine- oh, uh, does cinema Cinemascope include the color? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Look nice, nice anyway. I don't, I don't know enough about film stock. Is Kevin looking it up? Kevin's looking at the DVD case. Uh, MGM oh, MGM presents in Cinemascope and color. Color, okay, okay. not Technicolor. I thought it looked nice though. Better than just color. It looked like Technicolor. Ah. <laughs> all right. Yeah, that's that's all I got. All right, ratings. I'm going three point seven five. I'm like. I'm like, am I a four? Am I a four point two five? Am I a four and a half? Am I a six out of five? It can't be a six out of five. It's not a six out of five. <laughs> no, but I, I am. I'm in that like. I'm in that space where it's like I want to give it like a little orange heart on Letterbox, um, but I, I think. Yeah, I think it, I think it's going to stay like at four, four point two five, but it's going to be four. Well, I feel like I liked it more than Kevin, but I'm giving it a three and a half. Oh. <laughs> so who knows? Uh, all right. Well, let's uh, let's get right down to it. Okay, it's time to brass tacks time, you guys. Okay, movie roulette, okay. letterbox roulette. We're out of eighty-seven fifty-eight this time, and the number is. Oh wait, we don't need the number yet. We need to we need to roll dice, right? Right. Um, <laughs> I forgot how to play yeah. the game. It's been a month. I've forgotten how to play. <laughs> Sorry. Here we go. Here's the dice. Okay, so it's out of. Uh, who are the actors? I know that John Whiteley is in like three things. So we've that... probably only seen one thing by him, but I don't know. There's a everyone else would work, and if we wanted to replace John Whiteley with uh, Melville Cooper. The um, the Bible verse guy, we could do that. He's don't we he's well, don't we don't we usually uh, 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 replace if there's an actor to replace, we replace him with a director. Well, I thought the one time we did that was because there was no one, like there was no one else in the movie. Like yeah, it was I, all Australian people who had never acted in anything else. All right, we can replace him with Cooper. That's cool. All right, so I'm going to roll the dice now. Okay. Also, you guys would would lose Fritz Lang. That's true. It's one. <laughs> it's Stuart Granger. Okay. I think I'm going to lose this too. So, do you guys know? Well, you will see it since you click on his page. Uh, yeah. You can see why he goes by Stuart Granger if you look at his full name. Because uh, his name is James Stewart. Oh, <laughs> ouch! <laughs> there was already a, a pretty big uh, Jimmy Stews back then. 
Hey, he's in North to Alaska. My dad used to sing that song all the time when we were kids. He would be like, North to Alaska, North to Alaska. He would sing, I think it's an Elvis song. Is that, is that the song that's in the movie? Like I don't know. It goes know. just like that? Okay. Well, that's how it goes. That's how the song goes. I don't know if it's in this movie. It's a John Wayne movie. Anyways, I've seen one of his films. Same. <laughs> okay, well, I've seen six. Ouch. So I win. All right, so Kevin and I have lost. Hopefully Kevin will actually watch the movie that he's... This is, uh... this is the first time I don't have to watch it. <laughs> you didn't watch, you didn't watch no, Zombies no, didn't. too, yeah, right? You're right. You're right. Damn Kevin? It. Never mind. This isn't special. Didn't you not watch Zombies? I watched it. When you were supposed to? Yeah. Oh, did you? Yeah, it was, it was horrible. There's one you didn't watch. You skipped watch. one time. Yeah, there's one time you're like, oh, I didn't have time porkies. to watch that. Oh, it was a Porky's. That's right. But I had COVID. Give me a break. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's an excuse for everything. Just kidding. <laughs> All right. So the number is, you guys ready? Yeah. 6634. Ooh. What's it going to be? I don't know. It's a I feel like number. we've been in this zone, in this 6000 zone a while. Or before. Oh, man. I don't know what this is. It's a movie you don't know what it is? Oh, Jesus Christ. Well, I know I know the director, so that's good. Okay, what's the movie called? And it's on Prime and Canopy. Oh, of course it is. Um, it is called Stone... You said 6634, right? 6634. It is Stonewall... From 2015, directed by Roland Emmerich. Oh, it's a gay... That's like the Gay Riots movie. It's like yes. about gay people rioting. Oh. Directed by Roland Emmerich. Oh, So Jesus you're going to get a lot Christ. of wait, wait, sensitivity it, in this portrait of the riots. Independence? Sure. Independence Day, Roland Emmerich? Yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. The same Roly M's. Jonathan Rhys Myers is in it. He was in Alexander. <laughs> I don't... Um, I don't know why I haven't heard of this. Like, I feel like a Roland Emmerich movie, usually you're going to hear about it at least. God, it's two fucking hours long. Oh, my God. Put a bullet in my head. <laughs> it's going to be fine. I've heard. I, I think I, um, I mean, I remember when this came out and uh, being weirded out by it was Emmerich doing it because, you know, he's a disaster film director. And uh, oh, hey, this is not a disaster film, but uh I was, you know, I was, I was like, oh, maybe it's all right. But then I heard just like nothing but negativity about it. So Caleb Landry Jones is in it. Yeah. And Ron Perlman. That's cool. I think you guys are going to really enjoy this. I think, I think <laughs> Carl Glusman is in it too. Carl Glusman from uh, The Neon Demon. Oh, cool. And Love. Okay. <laughs> Gaspar Noe and uh, Refn Films. You know, I still have not seen Love. Love is Gaspar Noe's best film, so check it out. Sounds wrong, but I will. I yeah, I've been meaning to check it out since it came out in like 2015. But I've actually, uh, I've seen most. I think I've seen everything he's directed more than once. No, that's not true. I haven't seen that uh, the Punch Bowl movie more than once. But I like Love the best. I think I rewatched cool. Irreversible uh, right before I saw Love and Enter the Void when we did it on the uh, podcast right before I saw it and. I remember thinking love was the best of those three, and I think those would have to be his top three. So I yeah. did not, I didn't like uh, climax. So 
Not for me. All right. So next time we're going to be watching uh, Stonewall, Kevin. You, and you uh, it's also Kevin's pick. So episode 99, Kevin, our last uh, episode in this in the double digits. Cool. And it's going to be an interesting one. So we are going to watch The Boys from Brazil. Oh, directed by Gregory. Franklin J. Okay. Schaff. Schaffner? Schaffner. Schaffner? Yeah, yeah, Schaffner. Starring uh, Gregory Peck and Laurence Olivier and James Mason and a super, super young Steve Gutenberg. Oh, wow. What? You know, what? I, this is a great pick. I have always wanted to see this, and I'm a Schaffner fan. I've been meaning to rewatch Planet of the Apes for a really long time. Same. And uh, I like Papillon uh, with uh, Hoffman and... The other guy, Steve McQueen, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, so I'm 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 excited to watch oh. the boys from Brazil. Lawrence Olivier's final nomination for acting. Is mm. this on uh, Criterion Channel? I want to say it was on Criterion Channel it for is, a second. Right, according to like just the letterbox thing, right now it is apparently on Peacock, Tubi, and Pluto, which all all Ugh. of which would have ads. Ads. Yeah, I'm not doing that. I'll just get it from the library, or I will get it some other way wink wink but um yeah so next time we'll be watching uh the boys from brazil what year is this from uh 78 it's 1978 film yeah that was that was why i texted uh jr to ask if like his uh, movie group was doing 78 should have known should have should have uh used (laughs) process of elimination to determine your pick we didn't well (laughs) All of, all of the 1978 movies. Right. Well, I know yeah, that I know that this movie. I honestly, seen. if I looked at the 1978 list of movies, I would know this was his pick because I know how much he likes this book. Mm. Yeah, because it was. Uh, I remember the first time I ever saw Kevin was in a picture from the library that was posted on the website, and it was you or on their Facebook, and it was you holding this book. Yeah, it was like your staff pick. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah. Uh, I right. Well, that's uh, wonderful. Yeah, writer. I eleven. So that's uh, that's the episode for this week. Thanks for listening. Visit our podcast, filmyakpodcast.com. Subscribe to us on uh, iTunes. I almost said YouTube. We don't have a YouTube channel. Uh, and uh, on Instagram. We are on Instagram at filmyakpodcast. And uh, thanks a lot for listening. Email us at filmyakpodcast at gmail.com. If you have questions, concerns, criticisms. And uh, until next time, we will see you guys later. Bye-bye. Off to a great start. It's a J. It's a J. It's a JK. It's a JK.